I'm shook. Welcome to the Holly Shook Podcast. I'm Armin, and over the phone is my co-host, Ryan Alkair. How are you, Ryan? I'm so good, Armin. How are you? I'm great. I'm excited. I can't wait to share this scant celebrity scandal with you. It's the first time we're going to go pre-2000s, so I feel like that's oh kind God. of a milestone for this podcast. I'm, I'm pretty hyped. It's your second time doing your own scandal, too, so the sophomore slump. <laughs> <laughs> you always have to get a dig in there. You, you just can't let someone succeed, you know? I was Johnny Appleseed in a play, and you had to poo-poo that, and you're <laughs> acting like Anansi the Spider is like is that better, much better of a performance <laughs> or a role. Come on, Johnny you Appleseed's iconic. It. You didn't see it. <laughs> well, you didn't see Johnny Appleseed. Yeah, but everyone's seen Johnny Appleseed. Like, it's freaking, it's been done. Okay, all right. You know what's funny is that the concept of someone being a little more original versus another person kind of being a, uh, like, just another take on a same old act is kind of what my scandal is about, actually. <laughs> a part oh of it. Oh my gosh. It's a part How of it. I- how did I predict it? I don't know. And and I feel like now maybe the listeners are going to go, oh, of course, he already knows what the scandal is. It's all a ruse that one uh-huh. of the co-hosts doesn't know what's coming. No, you actually don't know what's coming. No, I have no idea. I literally texted you last night being like, I'm super nervous to find out. Because um, it like kind of stressed. I don't, even though we don't do research on Rimey and like I'm never prepared for anything ever, I don't like not being in control of things. You know, like, <laughs> at the I least, you know, control. the topics for Rimey. Yeah. And like, at least in my every day to day life, I have like control over the situation, like usually because I'm always the one like planning shit. So this stresses me out to be on this side of it where I don't know what you're going to throw at me. It's funny. You give off an air of like someone who's very spontaneous and doesn't mind lacking control. But in reality, you're a little OCD. Yeah, I mean, I'm spontaneous. I like to just go with the flow, but I, when I'm going with the flow, I'm usually the one, like, controlling which way the flow's going. <laughs> you are dictating like, the flow. Yeah. Um, You're the current. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> I'm the current, and, like, everyone's kind of, like, going with the flow with me, but, like, I'm, like, leading the flow. Um, <laughs> We're all, like, the fishes going down the river on the current. We have zero control of our movement. We're just flowing. We're just flowing with the river. Exactly. And actually, <laughs> my senior year... <laughs> It's just a red of this. My senior year yearbook quote or whatever was... I'm a river dead. and I'm the current. No. No, okay, off. sorry. <laughs> it was only dead fish go with the flow. Oh! <laughs> is that good? I thought that was really good. And people gave me shit for it. They were like, what the fuck? I, I'm like, I think that's good. We didn't get to have senior quotes. How lame is that at my high school? Oh, that sucks. I know. I think they just didn't want to deal with the hassle of like re- really bad quotes like yours. So Okay. <laughs> Who's digging now? <laughs> well, uh, well, speaking of digs, th- this scandal also includes digs. This, th- this is kind of the crux of the scandal as a bunch of digs back and forth. Okay, so I've predicted now two parts of the scandal. <laughs> um, you know what's funny, though? I actually, you know how you always make fun of the amount of research I do? Yeah. 23 different resources. Oh, my God. And I watched a movie. What the heck? That's more than I've ever did to even write, like, a real research paper in college. (laughs) I take this seriously. I'd be lucky if I hit, like, three sources, not including Wikipedia. And Wikipedia was just a small chunk of 
my research because Wikipedia just didn't give me a lot on this and I needed to go yeah. elsewhere. So I don't feel like Wikipedia is that helpful for like scandal type stuff. No, unless like the scandal was so big that it almost has its own page or does have its own page. Yeah, true, 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 true. In which case, that's great. And actually, a related scandal to the scandal I'm going to talk about does have its own Wikipedia page. And when Damn. we eventually cover that scandal, it's going to be fun. Okay, wow. It'll be like a to be continued almost. Yeah, yeah. I mean, once once I get going on this, you're, you're going to know what the what the other adjacent scandal to this scandal is immediately. Okay, well, let's dive on into yeah. some freaking stress. <laughs> Just dancing around what it is. Well, yeah, like, okay, like, I want to know what it is. Should we do our whole, like, 21 question sort of game that we do where, like, I start to slowly describe the scandal yeah, and you try to guess it? Yeah, guess it. Yeah. Okay. So the scandal took place in the early 1990s. Ooh, how early? Well, don't tell me. <laughs> Very early, 91, 92. From, from okay. there, can you, can you guess it right now? Yeah. Um, It took place between two high-profile comedians. It's a feud. Okay. Can you guess what it is? No. uh, And the so broad. (laughs) The feud had to do with late-night TV and who would host a certain iconic show. (gasps) You have to get it now. It's like David Letterman. David Letterman versus Jay Leno. Oh my god, what? Why did I not know about this, I feel? Did you not know about that feud? I feel like I knew they like didn't get along, but I didn't know there was like a whole thing. There was a whole thing. Okay, oh my god, I'm stressed. And you know what the adjacent scandal I was referring to earlier is, right? No. Conan O'Brien versus Jay Leno? No, uh, I don't know about any of the. So you don't... Uh, oh, okay. I thought you would follow a little bit of the late night wars since you are an aspiring comedian yourself. I mean, I know that they like had... I don't know the details of the feuds. Like, I knew that they all like kind of didn't get along. But I don't... I didn't know why. But you did... I, I assumed it was just because like they all like basically have the same show and they just wanted to be better than the other person. Kind of. But do you remember the a little bit about the details of Conan and Jay Leno where... Conan took over for Jay Leno, but then Jay Leno wanted his role back on The Tonight Show, so then they fired Conan. Like That was more recent, though. Yes, exactly. Okay, yeah. I remember that yeah. one from like more recently. Yeah. Yeah, definitely remember that one. Um, one day, that will be a Holly that show. That one was weird. Yeah, that one was like uncomfortable, kind of. Oh, very uncomfortable. <laughs> um, but a lot of the tactics used by NBC against Conan were tactics that they used tw- 18 years earlier on David Letterman. Uh, and kind of a similar situation, although a little, obviously uh, a little different. But yeah, should we get into it? Please. Okay, so let me let me set up the Tonight Show and its significance before we get into the feud. Like, okay. wh- like why would they want this job so bad? You know, um, the Tonight because Show becomes super rich and famous like instantly, basically. No, nobody really cares about that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, the money is good. You, actually, it shocked me how good the money is. They, how good is it? It's ridiculous. Like in the 90s, um, Letterman got a contract for three years, $42 million. And that's without oh bonuses and whatnot. And eventually it even spiked way higher. I think they, at one point they're getting paid like over 20 plus million dollars a year. Oh Easily. My God. Yeah. <laughs> for one so hour sad. of TV a night. I'm so sad. Okay. Would, would you ever, would you want to be a late night talk show host? 
<clears throat> I feel like I'd be good at it. Um, it can't be that hard. <laughs> I don't know if I could interview people all the time. Like, it's so, like, sometimes celebrity interviews, like, make me so uncomfortable and cringy. Yeah, you know? there's an art to it. Like, Jimmy Fallon is awful at celebrity interviews. He's so bad at it. Oh, my God. Like, I can't, like, watch any of his interviews because it's, like, he's just so awkward. He's like, oh, yeah, you're so great. Oh, my God, you're <laughs> yeah. so funny. I'm like, what the heck? You're not even asking questions. You're just, like, saying that they're good. He laughs at everything they say, even if it's not a joke. It's They'll be like, funny. my yeah. movie comes out August 18th. <laughs> it's so funny. <laughs> oh, my God. No way. You're crazy. <laughs> yeah, it's awkward. I don't know. I, Kimmel I, is good, though. He has a good rapport with almost every celebrity he has on. Yeah, he's good. I like that. I just like think that the the idea of like celebrity interviews can kind of make me uncomfortable sometimes because they're obviously like so like planned, but they like try to make them spontaneous. Like I don't know, it's just weird. So that's what's cool about David Letterman is that he wanted it to be not contrived. He actually insisted that he didn't meet with uh, the celebrity beforehand, which some celebrities thought was rude. But he yeah. was saying he wanted that very first interaction to be on camera and not to have it pre-planned and not to like discuss beforehand what they're going to talk about. And David Letterman was one of those people who loved to kind of poke fun at the concept of celebrity. And there's mm-hmm. tons of iconic interviews where Letterman isn't afraid to jab at the celebrity. Like when, you know, the Joaquin Phoenix interview, right? Iconic. He's not just sitting there taking Joaquin Phoenix's weirdness. He's saying like, there's something wrong with you. Like, what's yeah. wrong with you? <laughs> yeah. Whereas Jimmy Fallon would probably go like, oh, you're so silly and funny. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Great. Um, but anyway, back to the feud. So The Tonight Show began in 1954, obviously running on NBC. And in 1962, Johnny Carson took over and became one of the most beloved comedians of all time. Was on The Tonight Show for 30 years. and. Damn. Yeah, it's kind of ridiculous, right? Yeah, it's a long time. Five to nights, do the same job. <laughs> that, like coming from you, that makes a lot of sense because, uh, like, you you love I to get you're can't. on that carousel of jobs. <laughs> yeah, I can't keep a job for like more than a year. <laughs> I get bored. Uh. I feel that though, you know. Yeah, the same routine every single day. But Johnny Carson did it for thirty years, so uh, becomes a staple in you know pop culture, right? And he was also somebody that um, was very difficult to beat out in the ratings, uh, which is interesting to note because now you have like multiple successful late night talk show hosts kind of all running simultaneously. Yeah. But at the time, everybody was trying to find the you know person to rival Johnny Carson. Like at one point, Joan Rivers got her own talk show at, at the same vaunted 11.30 p.m. time slot. That This time slot is coveted by comedians. They, they look at it as like the holy grail, right? Yeah. She got one. Um, uh, who else? I think Alan Thicke got one. Like a bunch of, you know, very reputable people got their own shows, but they would always get canceled within a couple of years because nobody could stand up to Johnny Carson and kind of like this giant shadow that he created yeah. over late night. Um, but in the early 80s, uh, David Letterman started his own thing called Late Night with David Letterman on NBC. And that was a show that aired right after The Tonight Show at 12.30. And uh, it was a little more zany, a little more weird. Uh, it, wasn't, it didn't have that same conventionality that 
all the other late night talk shows had. Obviously, we talked about like Letterman could be combative, which is interesting. He did different things like Letterman would uh, toss uh, like j- like big objects out of like high windows and rooftops just because it's funny to watch things crash. Because he can, yeah. <laughs> so people always viewed Letterman as sort of a innovator and original comedian, right? Uh, so was he like known before the show or was this like his first gig kind of not like first gig but like was he like popular before he got the show or just the show like kind of what like made him popular that's a good question so what's funny about that is that he started as a weatherman in i believe indiana and then he (laughs) then he moves out to la because he hears that the the way to get on the tonight show and to establish yourself as a big time comedian because back then being showcased on The Tonight Show was how you became yeah. famous. Right. Jerry Seinfeld was someone who was famously featured on The Tonight Show that launched his career. Joan Rivers, her career was launched by The Tonight Show. Yeah. Like, and then ruined by The Tonight Show two years <laughs> later. <laughs> like, it's not now where, this, where there's this, like, democratization of, you know, comedy and platforms to show your comedy. You could use YouTube. You could use whatever the hell. <clears throat> then you had to get on The Tonight Show. Yeah. But Letterman moves out to L.A. in 1975 so he could uh, get on The Tonight Show. Did I mention this? That he realized the connection between the comedy store and The Tonight Show uh, because he saw that many of the comedians um, who were on The Tonight Show started at the comedy store. Okay. So he was like, I need to get reps at the comedy store, get noticed at the comedy store. You know, the one, the comedy yes, place the on Sunset. the famous comedy store, Sunset, yeah. Yep, yep. So uh, in three years, Letterman's featured on the tonight show 1978 and then they tried uh nbc tried different ways to feature him and eventually he actually got his own morning talk show but that failed Mm. yeah that actually failed and uh and he got canceled within um two years damn but nbc loved him so much and they didn't want to lose him to a competitor that they said all right we're gonna pay you twenty two thousand dollars a week sit out basically don't do anything you'll guest host a few times whenever johnny carson is sick or out of town he can't do the show you'll guest host we just want you, we just want to keep you on as a talent and figure out how to utilize you okay 20, the dream twenty two thousand dollars a week for 52 to, weeks to not do anything <laughs> yes what the heck where do i sign up I, I wish that deal was available for anybody you know you just kind right. of like sign an application like i would love this sweetheart twenty two thousand dollars a week deal well, it's kind of just like, I know that I'm like talented. So like, shouldn't people just be like, Hey, like, yeah, like we'll figure it out. Like just sit it, sit it out. And like, we'll get to you eventually. I'll be like, cool. Yeah. I love the, like, we'll figure it out element of it all. It's like, we'd have no idea like what right. you'd be good at because you failed in all these other ways, but we yeah. know you're good. Yeah. That Ugh. literally is me. Ugh, God damn it. <laughs> and then you have to wonder, are you really that good? Shut up. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> no, you're great, Rye. That's why we have you here on Holly Shook. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Thank God we don't have to pay you $22,000 a week. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> I thought I was getting paid to do this and to not do anything else. <laughs> so so after a year, they, they construct, they conceive this idea of Late Night with David Letterman. It's super successful to the point where by the mid-80s, most people assume that David Letterman was going to be the successor to Johnny Carson, who at this point had been doing it for 25 years. Mm -hmm. Um, 
because for one, all these other people are failing on competing shows at the same time slot. And secondly, yeah. he actually is doing a great job. He has killer ratings for that time slot, like unprecedented ratings for 1230 a.m. Uh, but he was getting people to stay up and watch his show. So he, in, in a lot of people's eyes, earned his right to be the successor. And it was it was famously known that Letterman had wanted that gig since he was a little kid. He grew up watching The Tonight Show. It was his yeah. dream, he had stated, since he was 10 years old to be the host of The Tonight Show. So cute. <laughs> so, uh, but obviously it doesn't work out quite that way, but we'll get there. Um, so... What was also happening around the same time was this young up-and-coming comedian who, whose career actually almost basically never took off and who needed David Letterman to kind of like revive his career was kind of coming up in the 80s. His name was Jay Leno. Hmm. <laughs> and, uh, and that's a true story, by the way. Jay Leno what, like, has credited Dave, David Letterman for saving his career uh, because... Okay. He, he wasn't getting a lot of opportunities and David Letterman thought he was such a funny guy that he would regularly have him on as a guest to do bits on his show late night. So, so that's another kind of interesting element to, to their relationship is the fact that without Letterman, there is no Leno. I wonder if he like held that above his head ever. You know, from... All the research I did and from everything Jay Leno has said, it doesn't seem to be that way. Okay. It, and that doesn't seem to be Letterman's style either. He he seems to be someone who likes to uh, kind of elevate other comedians, and that's why he worked hard to give Jay Leno a chance. And he, he has said glowing things about Jay Leno's comedic ability. Now, it's other things he may not have glowing things to say about. <laughs> right. <laughs> but we'll get there. Okay. So... Leno's doing a great job on late night. They're loving him. And then he starts to get opportunities on The Tonight Show. And by 1987, NBC actually makes Jay Leno the permanent sub for Johnny Carson on The Tonight Show. So whenever Johnny Carson, again, he's he, he's not available, he can't do it, Jay Leno would host The Tonight Show. So what the frick happened to Letterman? He just was like, okay, I guess. Well, Letterman couldn't host both on the same night. Oh, right, 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 right. Okay, got it, got it. So that makes sense. Yeah. But Letterman did start to see the writing on the wall when that happened. He did kind of perceive that to be a move that was indicating Leno may may have kind of like caught up uh, to him in this race for the Tonight Show gig. He he did perceive that. Um. So in 1991, Johnny Carson announced that in one year. He would uh, retire. Damn. And NBC then shortly after that announced, and I'm going to get into the nitty gritty details of how all of this actually went down behind the scenes, but I'm just going to give you the broad outline uh, for now. NBC announces shortly thereafter that Jay Leno would be the next host. Sketch. (laughs) And uh, according to Bill Carter of the New York times, and Bill Carter is going to be a pretty prominent figure in all this. Um, he says, he, he writes in 1991 that the announcement was delayed um, until the network spoke with David Letterman. So actually, they had, there, there starts to be like little nuggets here and there in the media that NBC maybe had known that Leno was going to be the replacement for a while. And it wasn't as 
deliberated as one would hope because you have such a great talent like Letterman. Right. Um, but NBC still loved Letterman and, you know, they put out this press release or whatever saying, you know, Letterman is one of the one of America's most creative personalities. Because he was. And and one thing that most people recognized even at the time was that Jay Leno was a great stand-up, but at the same time he was kind he was doing something that many had done before. He was he was a great punchline artist, but yeah. he wasn't doing innovative things with sketches, with uh, you know, other other ways that Letterman incorporated bits into his show um, that other late night show hosts just didn't do. So Leno was like the safe choice, kind of. Yes, and that that is kind of exactly how he was described behind the scenes by executives in all the deliberations that they did have. He was safe, but in more ways than one. So um, I, let, let me let me like now backtrack before we get into the aftermath. Um, that so what you just said is an important thing because Jay Leno wasn't just a safe choice like comedically, but he was a safe choice from a personality standpoint too. Uh, Jay Leno was great at schmoozing. He would attend all the functions, all the parties. You know those mm. uh, those like I don't know those rap parties and the the NBC celebration parties, maybe holiday parties, whatever. Like networking shit. Yes, Leno would show up to those. And shake everyone's hand. He would talk to all the right executives. Whereas Letterman was curmudgeon He didn't like the hobnobbing. He didn't like to play that behind-the-scenes insider game. He just wanted to be great at his craft. I don't blame him. Networking sucks. I, I totally agree. The thing about networking is that it's just so fake. So fake. I'm like, ugh. I don't care. One, you one, don't care about me either. <laughs> <laughs> one of my worst networking experiences, because as you know, I used to work in a job where we, one of the main things we did at my job was to to set up networking events. And even though we were working the events, we kind of had to take part in the networking or like kind of like walk around the room and talk to people, see how they're doing. Yeah. I got sucked into this conversation and this guy just starts going off on snowflakes and how like people aren't like Sparta anymore, man. Like, Ew, uh- yeah, he's like, pe- like imagine, imagine how um, like. Imagine like people today trying to grow up in the way it was in the movie 300. And I'm like, I need to get out of this. Yeah, what the heck? <laughs> For some reason, I feel like you'd be really good at networking, though. I was good at it because, you know, I, I could hold a conversation and like get engaged in the small talk stuff. But sometimes it's really annoying because the people are like miserable. Awful and, and like, I don't talk want, about like yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to talk about the things they want to talk about. But. Yeah. Letterman was kind of like you. He he didn't want to play that game, um, and and like you know, in just like his comedy, his style of comedy, he's kind of a combative dude. There, there's like rumors that he's kicked out executives from his own parties <laughs> and stuff like that. So obviously, he wasn't endearing to the executives from a personality management standpoint. Yeah, so that played a big role. Okay, going back to. I mentioned that that New York Times writer, right? Bill Carter. Yeah. So a lot of what I'm going to talk about behind the scenes actually comes from Bill Carter because Bill Carter wrote the definitive book on the feud between Leno and Letterman called uh, The Late Shift. And this was a nonfiction book that was uh, released a few years after this whole ordeal. And it would actually become 
a uh, Golden Globe winning HBO movie, also called, called the, Late the Late Shift. Shift? Yep. Ah! Kathy. So, babe, had people played John Jay Leno and David Letterman? People like played them. Yes. Oh my God! What? And they didn't change the the names of the companies. You know how sometimes movies want to avoid lawsuits. I know that happens specifically with sports. They don't meant like they'll do a movie about the NBA, but they'll change all the team names and they'll just yeah, keep yeah, yeah. similar colors. It breaks it down to the nitty gritty. You know, people like Bob Iger being the president of ABC are portrayed in the movie. CBS executives down to the name are portrayed in the movie. They don't they don't change things up like some movies tend to do where they'll say where they'll like change yeah. a couple names here and there and whatnot. Uh, no, they they tried to give as accurate of a portrayal of the book as possible in the movie. Kathy Bates won a uh, Golden Globe uh, portraying Jay Leno's agent, Helen Kushnick, who played a major role in everything that went down. Yes, Kathy Bates. <laughs> I love Kathy Bates. <laughs> I know, she's amazing. She still frightens me because of her role as that like author-obsessed person in that movie. Remember... Did you ever see that movie? The, um, like, scary one? Yeah, the scary one where she's, like, obsessed with this author who, like... Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I forget what it's called, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, like, uh, famous. Yeah, yeah. Oh, my gosh. She, I, I had nightmares as a kid. I don't know who let me watch that movie as a kid. It wasn't my parents. Isn't it called Psycho? No. No, it's not Psycho. Um, I almost want to look it up It's called something. Now. Yeah. <laughs> Kathy Bates, scary movie. Oh, what is that movie called? Have you seen it? I think I've seen it, but I literally don't know. Misery. Oh, misery. There we go. Psycho, misery, same thing. <laughs> you usually need to be miserable to be a psycho. Exactly. Uh, I just love her in Titanic. Oh, James Kahn plays the novelist. Wow. Okay, yeah, this is one of the scariest movie people. If you guys haven't seen this, <laughs> y'all need to see this. Okay. So, behind the scenes, this is what kind of really goes down. CBS, in a way, kind of instigated all this, even though Letterman would eventually go to CBS, but CBS themselves wanted to have a successful late-night show. So they wanted to find a way to get somebody. So they tried to force NBC's hand by making Leno a formal offer to become their late-night talk show host because Leno didn't have a contract, a contractual commitment to NBC at the time. So this is like, this is before the announcement. This is even before Johnny Carson announces retirement, right? Yeah. So once CBS does this, this kind of gets the ball rolling on everything, right? Now NBC kind of has to choose between Leno and Letterman um, because if they don't sign Leno to a contract and promise him a show, uh, then he'll just jump to CBS. And um, if they don't like make Letterman a promise, then he's going to be pissed off. So like you kind of, they're, they're trying to juggle these two things, but they, their dream is to keep both. Both. Yeah. <laughs> uh, which is, it's kind of absurd. If you think about it, not even in hindsight at the time, like how can you expect to keep two top tier talents and ask one of them to be to take a 1230 guy? Toll. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, it's kind of like, okay, well, I don't know what the phrase for it, but, like, okay, well, you're both, like, getting, like, good opportunities. Let's, like, get off our high horses. Like, let's just be, like, appreciative of what we're given <laughs> in life. But like, You're getting paid $300 million to do nothing, David Letterman. <laughs> but, like, on one hand, you have a guy 
who's dreamt of it all his life. And on the other hand, you have a guy that does resonate with a lot of America, even if he doesn't okay, well, resonate a lot with of people, peers. A lot of people have dreams for their whole life. Doesn't mean you just get it. <laughs> Jesus. So this is where Helen Kushner comes in. And she's pretty badass, at least from the portrayal uh, by Kathy Bates. So yes, Kathy Bates. She, she starts to make moves. She goes to NBC and lets them know of CBS's offer and said she needed a commitment to Jay Leno. Otherwise, he's just going to go to CBS. Um, all the while, Letterman is just maintaining his stance. He doesn't want to campaign or schmooze for the position because he feels it's Johnny Carson's position as of now. And he doesn't want to force his ouster because when you start to kind of put uh, your intentions out there and express uh, the desire to, you know, fulfill the position, it kind of starts to get the ball rolling behind the scenes and and executives kind of want to make it happen sooner rather than later. And he just wanted yeah. he wanted Carson to to kind of go on his own. Yeah. And he's like, as long as he has a position and it's official, I'm not going to submit my name for the job. The problem was Leno and Kushnick were working hard to get the job. So not only yeah. is Leno doing all the schmoozing, but Kushnick is doing things like leaking a story to the New York Post that NBC was going to fire Johnny Carson and replace him with Jay Leno. Oh, my God. And again, now that that puts that, that out there in the universe, it, it, NBC executives feel a ton of pressure to make a decision. Uh, obviously, there's the CBS deal looming. But also, it's like, did, oh, and so this is before Johnny Carson has said he's retiring, right? Yeah, he hasn't even announced oh, okay. his retirement. Because I was like, what the heck, he already said he's, okay, that makes sense. That's stupid as fuck. And another thing that added pressure to NBC executives was that Arsenio Hall and his show was very popular at the time, and especially yeah. with younger viewers. And Johnny Gar- Carson's demographic was trending uh, to you know towards like an older age, and they were like, "Yeah, because it's been on for thirty freaking years." Right. It's like <laughs> at the time they used to be young. Now yeah, they th- were young when it started, but okay, well, <laughs> he's old, they're old. It's fine. <laughs> Say it like it is. <laughs> so obviously, everyone um, knows that. The, the young demographic is like the desired demographic because then you can... The 18 keep, to 24. Yeah. You could keep them on for the 30 plus years and then yeah. try to work towards the next young demographic and their needs and their interests. That was another element to all of this that was, again, just creating this pressure cooker for everyone involved. So NBC executives decided that they needed to officially sign Jay Leno to a contract um, but it needed to be in secret, a secret contract promising him the job and the public couldn't know, Johnny Carson couldn't know, and Letterman especially couldn't know. Sketch. And So they like decided they were going to do Jay Leno. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And that's what's messed up is that Jay Leno kind of forced the issue, although he, he's always maintained a level of like obliviousness to all of that and and that his agent kind of forced the issue. And that's kind of how the movie portrays it too. But how can someone just be so oblivious to all of that and like not even be aware of their surra- immediate surroundings? You know, like he had to be somewhat aware. It's like I, it's like Tanya Harding, whatever. She's like, <laughs> I had no idea. It's like, what the fuck? Like you had to have some type of idea. <laughs> like you're around this person, you know, all the time. And he, yeah. he him and Kushnick were close. So he was around her all the time. And it's centered on you, so it's not like she's not, like, talking to you about anything. Like, 
you have to be in the know a little bit. Right. Jay Leno. Jay Leno. But that was always his shtick. He wanted to be liked by everybody. So I think it was a willful ignorance. Yeah. It, it wasn't like Helen Kushnick was playing it, playing her cards so close to the vest that he would have no idea what was going on. But while all this is happening, basically Johnny Carson sees the writing on the wall. And I think this is my speculation. I think he wanted to go out on his own accord. He didn't want to be forced out. He didn't want totally. NBC to put a deadline on him. So he actually announces his retirement as a, in a surprise fashion. So, so he didn't tell like the executives first. No, he just, Damn. he does it at this event he says, I will retire one year from today, May 22nd, 1992, and that'll be that. And NBC executives were then like, whoa, okay, wait, what do we do now? Because Letterman, like at this point, believes he's getting the job. But we have this secret contract in place. So so they they basically had to deal with an issue that was coming no matter what, but, but they had to deal with it sooner <laughs> and with less preparation. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, but like how long were they expecting to like, were they expecting to like have this whole process take longer than a year of like figuring out who's going to host the fucking show next? Well, nobody knew how long Carson would stay on the show. That's the thing. So they had no clue at that point. Like for all they know, it could have been like two months. It could have been four more years. It could have been another decade. Exactly. So they had to either be like, all right, well we're going to either kick him out, which I feel like it looks weird to kick him out because he's like so iconic. Right. Or they were gonna have to like force it out. Okay. They want they I, wanted no part I'm of forcing like, him out. Yeah, but it's just like if you're already making deals behind the scenes to like replace him, like you obviously also like have to get him out of there. So even if you're not forcing him out, you're like kind of like hint, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, like move on. And and that's what those like leaked stories do, and that's what all the ch- like chatter does. It kind of it, it, it's the writing on the wall for Johnny Carson. And and that's what kind of sucks for him is that, you know, you'd wish there wasn't all this drama going on to propel him to retire. You'd hope that he could have just done it just on his own time. And he probably yeah. would have done it anyway. He was pretty old at that point. Well, that's what I'm saying. I'm just like, at that point, like, come on, like, the guy's not going to, like, do it forever. And, yeah, it's kind of weird that I find it, like, disrespectful that he, like, made it such a big thing. And he, like, is the reason why it's so iconic. And then they're kind of just like... Okay, well, like, <laughs> and he's like, all right, I get it. Like, let's be fucking mature about it and just like talk to me and say like, hey, we're like thinking about getting you a replacement. Like for whenever you want to leave, like, let us know what you're thinking. So that's how Letterman felt. You know, it's disrespectful to, I to have treat an icon to like believe this. That I am David Letterman because every <laughs> single thing I say, you're like, that's how Letterman felt. <laughs> so like, maybe I should like rethink my entire path in life. You don't want to be David Letterman in every aspect of David Letterman. He does have a little sex scandal later on in life, and maybe oh, that'll be a okay. Holly Shook episode. <laughs> <laughs> or it'll just be my own life, because I'm David Letterman. It'll either be a Ryan Alkire sex scandal episode or a David Letterman sex scandal episode. Uh, it's, they're Stay synonymous. to find out. <laughs> like and subscribe. <laughs> so when they finally uh, inform Letterman that Leno would be the successor, he asks to be released from his contract because he believed that he deserved the show. Uh, But NBC didn't want to do that. They wanted to try to find a way to appease Letterman. So they offered him uh, things like an expanded show from one hour to two hours, kind of uninterrupted. They offered him primetime specials. But ultimately, Letterman insisted that 
he wanted to host the 11.35 p.m. time slot. For whatever reason, Rye, and I, I really don't understand this, this time slot is coveted. And a part of it, I guess, is viewership. And I think a part of it is the institu- institutionalization of it. You know, it's it's become yeah. a symbol of sort of your comedic stature. Yeah. So I, I guess I get it, um, but it I, I don't truly understand how it got to that point because it didn't always air at 11.35. Um, Carson actually was the one who um, forced NBC to air, start airing it at 11.35 and they had a bunch of different time slot drama for a couple decades actually before they nailed down that time slot <laughs> for whatever reason time slot is like a really really big deal um in late night and like these battles between executives and talent but and, and so it's understandable like kind of it makes sense because like eleven thirty five or whatever it's like all right well like maybe like some people are still awake and they'll like turn it on and they'll kind of like maybe fall asleep to it by the end and it's like, or what it's, show precedes it? Because you need a good show to set it up, the good lead in, right? It's all yeah. these different factors. I, I get it, but it, it's it's funny to me too. I mean, yeah, it's like stupid as fuck. It's like, <laughs> well, I guess back then they didn't have DVR either, so right. I was like, just DVR it. Now everything's for YouTube, right? They want to create these like s- small um, vi- viral bits, right? Like Fallon does right. all the time, and it's like literally just all viral. I'm like, okay. So, so in retaliation, Letterman hires this guy named Michael Ovitz, who you may have heard of. Um, no. Okay, so I don't know anyone. <laughs> Mike Ovitz is the co-founder of CAA, which you may have heard of. I know CAA. Okay, so co-founder of CAA, he's a scandal uh, into himself. <laughs> there, there could be <laughs> ten podcasts on Michael Ovitz, um, <laughs> but at the time, he was a major, major power broker in the entertainment industry. He was a guy that was known as a nasty guy, but at the same time, he got his clients what they wanted. He got major, major contractual deals for his clients, and and he didn't make a lot of friends in the industry, Um, and and that's kind of what eventually led to his downfall, but at the time, he was good at what he did. Yeah. And so, uh, Letterman hires Michael Ovitz to, you know, get him what he wanted, which was The Tonight Show, or at least an amazing offer. So that's when Ovitz goes to work because what these networks try to do when they have a great talent under contract is prevent them from having other opportunities by any means possible. So like already ingrained in the contract are, are stuff like non-compete clauses and um, rights clauses where basically like they own the rights to Letterman and um, if other networks try to, if other networks infringe on their rights by trying to hire him, they could sue those networks. So it's very, very difficult to negotiate on behalf of Letterman. But Ovitz finds all these little loopholes, right? Like Letterman can't go pitch uh, himself to other networks, which is traditional. But other networks can make presentations for him without any official offers. Okay. <laughs> like this is not a negotiation. We're just going to present to you. So We're actually just like chatting. Right. We're just chatting. And they kind of flip the script. Because usually the talent had to go to a network and say, here's my talent, yeah. this is what I could do for you. But this time it was the networks going after the free agent ish. He wasn't quite a free agent, right? Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Throughout all this time, Helen Kushnick is becoming a major, major problem. She's the EP on Jay Leno's show. And Mind you, David Letterman is still doing The Late Show, but he doesn't want to continue doing that forever. That's why he's trying to get out of his contract. But in the meantime, he has to keep doing it. Right. If he wants to get a paycheck and stay in the public eye. 
So it's this awkward situation for a while. And like I said, Helen Kushnick starting to become a problem because it's mostly about the fact that, from my opinion, it's that NBC executives didn't like how much she wanted to control the show. Uh, and as and as Kathy Bates put it in the movie, you wouldn't be pissed off at what I'm doing if I were if I were a male executive producer. It's only because I'm a woman. Where's the lie? Right. So so that's a part of it. But ultimately, she does piss off NBC executives to the point where they start to question whether or not they do want to commit to Leno long term. So she's like difficult and they're like, do we want to deal with this too? Right. She's super difficult. They eventually force her ouster, uh, which is tough on Jay Leno because Jay Leno felt indebted to her because she kind of helped launch his career in addition to David Letterman. She got him the, sh- the opportunities on David Letterman back in yeah. the early 80s. But all these things are going down. And so so since Leno is tied to the hip uh, with with Kushnick, although he he eventually does fire her. Uh, it does kind of like lead NBC executives to, to rethink The Tonight Show and NBC executives um, start to like figure out a way, how can we keep David Letterman, right? Yeah. That's when officially like other networks can make offers to Letterman and CBS makes this monster, monster offer and Ovitz puts this really smart thing in there, which is a... He puts a poison pill, basically. He, he makes the contract a poison pill contract. And what does that mean? So, okay, yeah. What that means is that he adds this caveat to the contract that says if Letterman does not have a time slot before midnight, then he is given a $50 million penalty payment. So that's going to be a hard pill to swallow for NBC. Yeah. And the reason why they put CBS puts that in the contract for Letterman is because NBC, as a part of the previous contract, has a 30-day matching period. So they they wanted to find a way to force NBC not to match Letterman's contract. That that's kind of a good way to do it because you don't want to pay someone absurd amounts of money in the first yeah. place, and then on top of that, pay them fifty million dollars. It was going to be a three-year, forty-two million dollar contract plus. 50, a $50 million payment. So NBC executives really had to think about that, right? Yeah. Not like a simple like amount of money to just like toss away. But here's the thing. They really liked Letterman. So they have this whole meeting and it's actually funny. They have this meeting and it's reported by Bill Carter that Leno was actually spying in on the meeting from another room because it like there was somebody near Leno who was on, on a conference on conference call. So the meeting was happening elsewhere. But yeah. um, his producer was on the call, and Leno is literally in the other room trying to spy in <laughs> to the call, which is kind of ridiculous. But that goes to show you like what the kind of guy Leno is. He's shameless. Yeah. This kind of set him up to be considered this kind of like weasel. Yeah. To be honest. He seems kind of weaselly to me. Yeah. So as a result of that call, NBC actually decides to offer Letterman The Tonight Show. Oh my God. So that's a way to keep him and to avoid the $50 million payment. So they offer it to him. And Letterman actually says no. He says, yeah, he says no because NBC, they were still trying to find a way to keep both Leno and Letterman. So even though they were offering him The Tonight Show, they were offering it to him 
in a sort of like wink, wink, you trust us. We like, you know, we trust you that you'll stay long term. And like, it, it wasn't something that was set in stone. It was just an understanding that you would, you would become the tonight show host, but it couldn't happen for another 18 months until Leno was out of his contract. So they didn't have to pay a penalty for firing him. And Letterman was like, you know what? They're going to pay me less money than CBS because they weren't going to match all the exact terms. Um, yeah. I'm not going to be able to be on the Tonight Show for another 18 months. And do I even trust these guys to give it to me? Because if Leno does well in these next 18 months, then they'll just back out. He didn't know if they were actually going to give it to him. Right. And like also after 18 months, it's like, is this even like what? It, is this even what I want anymore? Like, is it going to be the same as it is now? That's a long time to just like trust that it's all going to work out, I feel. Exactly. So, and, and that's exactly how Letterman felt. So, you know, once again, so, you're once a Letterman. Again, <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> NBC, I'm expecting your call. You know what's funny too? Letterman actually consulted Johnny Carson on what he should do. Oh my God. And Johnny Carson advised him to go to CBS. Damn. You, I, think, I think the idea at that point was to blaze your own path. Letterman decides to officially go to CBS and he starts the late show with David Letterman. And yes, that iconic. would air at eleven thirty-five PM, just as he wanted. He would compete at the with same Leno. Time as the Tonight Show. The same time. So they basically were competitors for the next twenty plus years. I love that. Um, but obviously Letterman felt snubbed by both NBC and Jay Leno for, for taking what he felt was his rightful throne, you know? Yeah. Yeah, totally. But for me, it's like, okay, you're already, like, pretty well-liked by, like, the public, David Letterman. Right. Um, You're obviously, like, people are fighting over you, so you know that there's, like, you're talented and you're worth it. Like, I get it. Yeah, you want to, like, take over, like, the already iconic show, but, like, also, like, you're getting an offer to have your own show in the same time slot. Like, just on a different network yeah it's like he, not a, not a shabby deal he would go on to describe that as a character flaw what the the fact that he was so jealous that he didn't mm. have that time slot uh the fact that he felt inferior to jay leno because he not only got snubbed for the tonight show but for the better part of two decades leno did um upstage him in ratings the first okay. few years while they were competing with each other uh letterman was beating him pretty handily. But actually, there's this iconic interview with Hugh Grant on The Tonight Show after Hugh Grant's sex scandal. <laughs> iconic, yeah. And from that moment forward, Jay Leno pretty consistently beat him in the ratings. Okay. Letterman would win every now and again. But yeah. overall, Leno would beat him in the ratings. <clears throat> and, and Letterman just always felt inferior that even though like the quality of people who liked Letterman were higher. And, and what I mean is it's not like... Okay, wow. <laughs> I was like, oh, once I once I said that, I was like, that sounds bad. Dragging all the Jay Leno fans. When I say quality, I mean like p- people who are in the business and who do comedy and who are highly respected comedians like Letterman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Most of America likes Leno. But like... It's been said to Letterman to his face, like in different interviews and whatnot, like at the very least, like uh, the, the people who like you are your peers. And, yeah. you know, 
yeah, you don't have like the general consensus love, um, but you have to you have to like dig that like the type of people who like you are you know are people who are who are like professional comedians. Yeah, I mean, I don't know like, if I'm alone on this, but like I always felt like David Letterman was like a bigger deal than Jay Leno. Oh yeah, I mean to like, me, just growing like, up and like yeah. in high school and college and stuff. I think Letterman's I, like, far funnier. Yeah. Jay Leno seems so like crazy to me. I'm like, like what? (laughs) He seems like too weird. I'm like, what's going on? (laughs) And and like, like, like I said already a billion times, but Letterman was doing like cool, innovative stuff that other people weren't doing, like the top ten lists or like um, top ten lists. Crazy. uh, What was it? Like the crazy pet tricks or whatever that whole skit was. Crazy pet tricks. Yeah, I remember David Letterman's last day. It was like so sad. Yeah, and he had a million people come on, like Jerry Seinfeld and yeah, a bunch of other iconic. comedians come to like pay their respects, you know? Yeah, yeah. And if you listen to like almost any comedian, they'll say David Letterman was a huge inspiration to them and a, a great influence on their career. Like Jimmy Kimmel, he's one of the most outspoken about that. He will say um, yeah. pretty consistently that he grew up on Letterman. He would grow up watching yeah. Letterman, loved Letterman. And of course, Carson, too. Now Kimmel is one of the most revered talk show hosts um, of our time. Yeah, I remember Kimmel's goodbye to Letterman was like he was like crying. And it was yeah, so sweet. no, um, he really loves Letterman, and a lot of yeah. great comedians really love Letterman. Whereas Jay Leno doesn't have um, that same admiration from his peers. Does he have more yeah. widespread love? Yeah, but some sometimes, like I said, the quality of the people who like you. I'm not saying they're better people like on their day to day lives, but quality mm-hmm. in terms of like that's their. Like, these are people who are admiring you from your own yeah. craft. Who, like, do what you do and, like, think that you're the best. That's pretty cool. Yeah, totally. I would say David Letterman wins. Yeah. In this feud. But, unfortunately, he didn't win the ratings and he didn't win, you know, I, the public's admiration. And that bothered him for whatever reason. So, he would add fuel to that fire, you know. he, Like, some people at the time and even to this day would speculate oh it's mostly a media constructed feud because mm-hmm. there's some moments that that would lend lend you you know to believe that like letterman congratulated leno after he got the job and leno issued a sh- statement shortly thereafter saying that dave dave and i are still good friends um yeah. but letterman would would take digs at Leno, and then they would just regularly, you know, spar with insults at each other um, on their shows and also in interviews. They they yeah. pretty much would never, you know, not take the opportunity to take a pot shot at the other person. It was just barbs yeah. after barbs after barbs after barbs. So as as much as like some people want to believe like the rivalry didn't didn't really exist, there was totally bad did. blood. Yeah, and and you know what's funny about this Holly Shook scandal ride that I I found fascinating. Like, there's not a lot of like shocking moments to it and yeah the feud between letterman and leno isn't really even at the crux of what went down in a lot of ways it was mismanagement by nbc well, um, like for me i'm like i was like shocked by how like shady it was right but at the same time like these two guys have like in my opinion such a like intimate relationship with so many americans because so many people, millions of people, had them on, you know, their television screens five nights a week for twenty plus yeah. years. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty crazy. Yeah, and 
you know, for both of these guys who had so many millions of people tuning in to watch them five nights a week or four nights yeah. a week, whatever, like it's pretty wild that they had such great disdain for each other uh, for such yeah. a long period of time. And it's, I, I think it's interesting to see like what instigated all of that. Like why did this relationship go awry? Because they were really close, close friends. Remember, you know, Letterman essentially saved Leno's career. So they Which is, yeah, that's like, and I, I feel like I didn't know all, I, I had no idea that that's why they don't like each other. I just always thought it was like, oh, maybe they just like don't like each other. Like they've hung out before and they just like don't get along or whatever. I didn't know it was like because of the like inner workings of like basically of the industry, you know? Yeah. Like the, the way the industry works is basically what pitted them against each other. No, totally. And and the fact that this industry could be ruthless. Oh, yeah. Dog eat dog, you know? And and that's the thing is that Leno was the dog that ate the other dog. Like, even though he, he likes to portray himself as aloof and, you know, this, like, kind, like, Silly teddy bear. Yeah. yeah. He, like, he may not be, like, ruthless in the traditional sense. Like, he's not really going out to stab your back. But he's making all the moves that ultimately is going to leave your back wounded. You know what I mean? Like, it may not be mm-hmm. him that's actually putting a knife in your back, but yeah. he is making all the necessary like moves. Orchestrating it a little bit. So, you, here's another um, interesting tidbit. Johnny Carson never visited The Tonight Show after. He never went on Leno's show. Did he go on Letterman's? Yep. Multiple times. Yes. And one of the most memorable lines from his first visit was, how pissed off are you? <laughs> I live for that. I'm living for Letterman right now. Like uh, Jay Leno is so irrelevant to me. I'm like, what? So here's a um, here's another tidbit. There's a lot of interesting tidbits that come from different places. Like this guy Jason Zinneman, he wrote a book on David Letterman called Letterman: The Last Giant of Late Nights, a biography. And he had this quote about Rick Ludwin, who was the head of late night programming at NBC. And Ludwin saw you know Letterman as a difficult guy to deal with, but he thought that Jay Leno was super friendly and approachable, where but David was, as he said, distant and even hostile. So like all all these things are are really interesting to look at, you know, after the fact because I think they do, they did play a role. Um, even though Letterman was the greater talent, sometimes in business you don't always go with the greater talent because yeah maybe you won't find them as easy to work with. Uh, mm-hmm. I found another interesting quote that I found. This is from Scott Collins. He writes for the LA Times, and he's like an expert in pop culture. He wrote, Leno was never a critical darling. From the time he started in the late night NBC in the early 80s, Letterman was considered an innovator. He subverted the showbiz conventions of late night. He poked fun at the high and mighty. Uh, he did absurd things like showcase stupid Petrics. Oh, stupid Petrics, not crazy Petrics. And tossed TVs and other heavy objects out of high-rise windows just to watch them smash on the pavement below. You know, I was watching some different Letterman qu- uh, clips, and it's true. Like, he he would poke fun at the high and mighty. He would poke fun at celebrities. Like, he he would make he would regularly make fun of Les Moonves, who was the CEO of CBS, and that's just the exact opposite of what Leno was all about, which was schmoozing up to his superiors. And I think people like when people punch up versus punch down. And that's what Letterman was all about. Um, yeah. And I think that's why a lot of people respected him, you know? Totally. I mean, it's also just interesting. It's, like, different. It's 
kind of like you don't know what to expect. You don't know what you're going to get with him, which is to me way more interesting to watch than like, like that's like why Jimmy Kimmel versus Jimmy Fallon is kind of like the thing, right? Like our more generation like thing. I'm like, Jimmy Fallon is like the same freaking thing every time. It's just like <laughs> going to be lighthearted, goofy, whatever. Like Jimmy Kimmel, like will like speak his mind. will like use his monologues to like make a statement about current events and stuff. And I find him much more interesting, even though I was obsessed with Jimmy Fallon when he started his show because it was like different and it was very like aimed towards like the younger generation and stuff. But it became so boring so fast. No, totally. Uh, I have a few like Jay Leno quotes, which I think are interesting because I think they directly address the people who say, oh, this feud wasn't really that real. Here's a couple quotes. The idea that there was a huge rift between me and Dave. Yeah, of course there was. So that's one. Sketch. Uh, he says, he says some of the rivalry was serious. Um, he also, he wrote this ode to David Letterman in The Hollywood Reporter. And it was titled, He Was Mean, It Was Funny. And he talks about how, uh, there's this one example he gives how he says, I remember I had this thing where I'd go into the audience and shake hands when I came out. One day I was watching Dave and he steps in front of this big plexiglass wall and puts his hands through with two rubber gloves on and he's shaking hands with people. It was really (laughs) funny. It was the exact opposite of what I would do and that was the joke. The one thing about Dave was even when he was mean to me, it was funny and that's all that matters. So what I think what we can take from all of this is that even though Letterman was screwed and even though the two didn't talk for a couple decades and had this like unspoken rivalry, sometimes spoken rivalry, eventually, or maybe throughout the whole time, they respected each other. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, they both worked for it and they both like earned some sort of position. It just sucks that only one person could have like the one they both wanted. Right. Here's, here's they both deserved to have something. Yeah. I mean, like I feel like I've been trashing Leno a lot, but clearly the guy resonates well, with a ton of people. He is funny. <laughs> <laughs> he is funny to a lot of people. Well, a lot of people don't know funny. Let's just talk about that. <laughs> yeah, that's probably true. But like like you said, he did earn that spot in some sense. Maybe in not no, in totally. the tra- not he in the traditional for it. He sense. Worked for it. He worked for it. He didn't host his own show for 12 years, NBC. But he did earn it in some sense. Um, Here's some David Letterman quotes, which I thought were interesting. This is on fueling the rivalry. He says, I know I succumbed to the pressure of the rivalry that was constructed between Jay and myself. An essential part of me was fueling it. I think there's something wrong with me. This is the thing I was talking about earlier. It's either a character flaw or a personality disorder. Mm. So I think that also that quote speaks to the fact that maybe initially was media constructed, right? Like, oh, Leno took letterman's rightful spot but letterman eventually played into it he played into it and he started to feed it and then he started to take digs at leno and it got to the point where it was toxic between the two of them you know but at least he could recognize that right oh yeah you know i think at some point you you reflect back on your life and if you don't have some self-awareness then there's something wrong with you (laughs) totally and hey no press is bad press so this whole thing probably helped him out in the end Oh, yeah, of course. No doubt about it. I mean, anytime you could construct a feud, people get interested. People start to want to tune in to see, oh, will he? Will he, like, take a barb at the other person? Yeah, exactly. Um, 
here, here's another funny quote from Letterman. He says, the fact that Leno is maybe the most insecure person I've ever known, I can never reconcile that. <laughs> oh my God. I love that drag. <laughs> oh my God. So they really, they really didn't like each other for a hot minute. But, you know, eventually they invited each other to their farewell episodes. Neither attended um, the other person. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. They were uh, like, hey, look, I know you're not going to come, but I'm just going to tell you about it. Uh, they, they iconically filmed a Super Bowl commercial together in 2010. Um, and uh, since the Super Bowl was airing on CBS and Leno appears in the commercial, which, you know, pokes which poked fun at their rivalry and and it was funny actually letterman explained the commercial the super bowl commercial on his show and 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 to me that explanation kind of exemplified the nature of their feud because he he talks about how he asked jay to do it because jay wouldn't say no to anything lol like Like i'm saying he can't book anything else so he has to take every advantage i was cracking up when you said that earlier i was like that's literally what leno what letterman kept on saying about jay leno is the dude can't say no to anything he can't say no to a networking event he can't say no to schmoozing he can't say no to a free gig and that's what kind of got him on the rise in the late 80s was that he would take every guest spot he would fill in every time every chance he got he was just the guy who would do every appearance whereas letterman was a little more, I guess, exclusive, or he yeah, would... He, he took things he, that he felt pride, pride in. Yeah, exactly. So Letterman wasn't going to take every single opportunity they threw at him. He even joked about like how quick he would hang up the phone when he would get stupid offers like, do you want to be a street vendor on Spider-Man? LOL. <laughs> Whereas Jay Leno would probably be that street vendor on Spider-Man. <laughs> I'm pretty sure he was. Yeah. I think I saw that. <laughs> so... So yeah, like in the explanation, like again, to me, it really was, you know, emblematic of, of what uh, their relationship became. He, he talks about having like not seen or talked to Leno in 25 years before this commercial. And and then since this was, since that commercial happened at the height of the feud between Conan and Leno, Letterman oh even God. pokes fun at their feud. He, he goes, Leno got Conan fired. He straight says that and then jokes about how he doesn't have a dog in the fight when everybody knew he had a dog in the fight and that was Conan. He right. openly backed Conan and all of that because he kind of, I think, saw himself in Conan in that he should have been the rightful heir to the show. He was supposed to be the successor, but NBC was just playing around with the talent, unsure of their direction. And by doing that, there was all this collateral damage. It's just so funny to me that like late night, like male late night television <laughs> like hosts have all this drama. Like... <laughs> Y'all have the same show. Like, why is it like so dramatic between all of you? It it, it is really funny. It is really funny. Um, also, one time I saw Conan O'Brien in LA, and he walked by me, and I literally just like my friends were walking behind me, and I walked by Conan O'Brien, and I just go, "Oh, hey, how are you?" And he was like, "Good. Hey, how's it going? Hey." <laughs> and like my friends were behind me, and they were like who'd you just say hi to? Like, how'd you know him? And I was like, oh, that was Conan O'Brien. <laughs> and they were like, why? Like, why did you greet him? Like, you guys were like old pals. And I was like, I don't know. I just like, <laughs> that was my first reaction <laughs> was just to like, act like we were best friends. <laughs> I like, love that he responded so like you guys were best friends. It, I think it was because the way I said hi to him, he 
like probably was like, oh, that's someone I know, but just like don't recognize him. So I'm just going to like act like, <laughs> you know, just going to say, hey. I love that Conan it can be just like any other person who can have an awkward social <laughs> encounter. Like he was probably thinking that moment, like, where do I know this kid from? Like, is he a family friend? Is he like the right. little cousin to like my sister's <laughs> husband? You know what I mean? Yeah, it was so fucking funny. And then um, he's really tall. I was like, wait, what the fuck? He's like, he was like, oh, like six five or something. No, I think he's actually literally six five. Yeah, it was really weird. So yeah, I'm basically involved in the feud. Um, <laughs> I, I You're a Letterman in the Letterman Leno feud, and you know Conan, and so that puts you basically in the middle of this Conan Leno feud. Just my old pal Conan. You guys know all about us. <laughs> Well, I think, well, that covers it, honestly. Um, this this was a pretty iconic feud, and yeah, it, it's a big deal because a lot of people watch late-night television, and, you know, Jay Leno and Letterman are two of the most influential people in comedy. Well, I don't know if Leno is that influential in comedy, but Letterman is definitely one of the most influential comedians of all time, and at the very least, Leno is... Uh, you know, s- someone who definitely made a stamp on comedy or has been a big part of recent comedy history. So th- this feud was a pretty big deal for a long time. And, and it pretty much like was a constant in the, you know, late night airwaves for 20 years. So, yeah, I mean, I, I loved this because I didn't know how it went down. I just, like I said earlier, I thought it was like, they met each other at a party once and just had opposing, like opposing, like, attitudes or like personalities they talked about religion and from there they just were never friends yeah i mean i didn't know it was like a whole thing so damn now yeah. i'm like stressed out about you always make me rethink my like career goals as a comedian because i'm like <laughs> i wouldn't i would crumble under all of this pressure i wouldn't i would have been no good at this didn't you know that comedians can be really salty about other comedians success i'm not saying that's what happened with letterman necessarily but like comedians um, can have pretty petty relationships with each other. That's pretty well known. Yeah. No, yeah, I get that. But I didn't know it was, like, so sketchy and shady. Oh, it could be sketchy and shady. <laughs> I could do sketchy. I could do shady. <laughs> Maybe I will be good at this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, actually, you'd be great at it. You're always sketchy and shady, especially towards me. And you get jealous of other people's successes, just like you got jealous of the fact that I, in one... Roll on oh the God. in the theater. Johnny Appleseed die. Let it die. <laughs> Your immediate response to me, you know, getting that potential, you know, getting a, an agent from that uh, role was that you never, in all your roles in theater, got an offer from an agent. Well, I think you're the Jay Leno, and I'm once again David Letterman. <laughs> in that, like, I deserved it. Like, I was better, and you just like I schmoozed. <laughs> My third grade, my third grade self schmoozed to get that (laughs) opportunity from the parent. You talked about rush hour, and the guy was like, "Okay, this kid's weird." Uh, man, I love it. So yeah, I think that's it. I think I think we covered it inside and out. Yeah, well, your twenty three resources really like didn't let you didn't let you skip a detail, (laughs) which uh, you set the bar high every time, (laughs) and every week I somehow continue to disappoint so <laughs> but we should remind people yes that, i forgot to do this in the beginning 
This is Holly Shook, as you know, and we have our own feed. And so many of you guys have been switching over to that feed, which we appreciate. We love seeing the numbers go up over there. But if you're still listening on Buttered Pop, make sure you go and subscribe to the Holly Shook feed. You can even type in Buttered Pop Holly Shook. It'll come up um, because I want to say there might only be very, very little episodes left on Buttered Pop. Yeah, just a couple. Not one or two more. And we're not um, stopping. So when you see yeah. it disappear, just, you know, just know scurry on over. To, you know where to go. Yeah, um, it's easy. Once again, you guys know I like to have everything to be about me, and it should all be about me. So, subscribe to Holly feed. Shook. I want my own feed. It's so easy. Um, just search for it. Just type in Holly Shook. You'll find it. Subscribe and give us five a stars. Comment so that we get picked up by the Jimmy Kimmel Show, and then I get <laughs> to fight oh, fight with Armin to get my own late night show. It's been my dream. Feuds are going to be a big part of Holly Shook. I have a feeling. Yeah. And, like, feuds are going to, like, become Holly Shook. Like, me and Armin are going to start fighting. So you don't want to miss out on that. <laughs> See, I'm already trying to create this feud with you over Anansi the Spider and Johnny Appleseed. So one day, there could be, you know, two guests that come on and talk about our feud as a part oh of Holly God. Shook. I feel like that would be it. I feel like if we, like, went to elementary school together in the third grade, we would have, like, hated each other. Because you would have been, like, playing really? roles and I would have wanted the roles. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you would have been so jealous of me and my agent and my Rush Hour 3 appearance. So annoying. I'm over <laughs> it. Before I start fighting, I think we should we should sign off on this week's Holly Shook. Yeah, it was yelling at you. It was good te- you know, storytelling this week, right? I can't wait to hear your story. That's in two weeks, everyone, so go two check weeks. it out. Yes, and I'm going on vacation this week, so we're not going to have a rhymey, unfortunately. But we will be back in two weeks with my scandal i already know what i'm gonna do it's yes. the one i've been it's the one i've been hinting at since it started i think it's finally time so the 1950s one? one yes and by 1950s i mean sometime <laughs> between 1900 and like 1970 <laughs> i don't know eras i don't know decades um i will do some research on this but it's like old it's like old timey wait before we sign out i just want to quickly say every single episode you've done which i guess is only two so far <laughs> you've yeah. had timeline issues and in the in the Grey's Anatomy one you kept on mixing up like like when certain things happened like before the the Emmys and then on the Ariel Winter you didn't know what season of Modern Family um it was I when don't. all the Ariel Winter stuff happened like you got to get your timelines down timelines are hard okay like a lot of y- things span over the course of years <laughs> I can't keep up. I wasn't there. Okay. <laughs> I'm not in the modern family cast, unfortunately, even though I should have been the fat kid on it. Um, <laughs> I thought I thought I was Manny and you I were going to be the curly haired kid. I'm the curly haired kid. <laughs> I should have been the curly haired kid, but no. Um, but no, this one I feel like I'm going to have a better timeline of because it did take place so long ago that I feel like it's very like set in stone what happened. Um Right, because so, things that I happened can't. in 2011 just they aren't set in stone quite yet. Well, we like, need... I was like alive for that, so like I remembered it. So I was like, oh, I think it was this year. I don't need to look it up. And then it was like totally the wrong year. But I wasn't alive in the 1950s. Surprise! So it's gonna so be it's like gonna very force you to research. nail down the timeline. I'm going to research. I can't wait, Rye. Um, yeah, it's gonna be really fun. Enjoy your vacation, and we'll talk soon. Thank you, Armin. You did such an amazing job this week, and I can't wait for your own 
late night talk show that I feel like will happen one day for you. Yeah. And you're going to have a competing one and we're going to feud. So, yep. No, I'll just be the guest on yours all the time. I don't need my own. <laughs> You'll be the Leno to my Letterman. Yes. Yay. Oh, we're so cute. <laughs> all right. I'll talk to you soon, Army. Thanks for listening, everyone. We hope you join us next time. Bye, you guys. <laughs>